the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael. I am a chaser, and today, today is the day. Today's the day. It's that day. It's Ooh, that day. day. Oh my it's God. It's the day of all days. Michael is moving to Los Angeles. Yay! Yay. Here today. But you're here already. Oh, the yeah, other the other Michael. Michael. Other Michael. Yeah, we, we still don't have a good a good uh, method for distinguishing us. Well, see, we're, we're basically just- identical. <laughs> we say chaser michael which can be abbreviated as cm or chub michael which can be abbreviated no. as cm <laughs> no no you have to do ch michael because chaser is oh my God. and then ch michael for chub yes exactly I, I just realized though that now your apartment is a container for m&ms oh jesus christ <laughs> which may or may not be a tease for the summer stay oh, tuned on oh, that one. Oh, very true, <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> no, well, trevor and i've been referring to you collectively as the mckelly McKelly. I know that's a damn thing. I I mean, that's better than, okay, so this is terrible. My extended family, how do they, okay, so (laughs) Michael's last name is DiGiovanni and they, they, somebody confused it with DiGiorno (laughs) (laughs) and then they're, and then because his friends call me Cali because California, they were like, oh, CPK, California California Pizza Pizza Kitchen Mm -hmm. and DiGiorno. I did not like that. No. I was not a fan. And may I just say, for those listening, nobody, nobody who is from California calls it Cali. No, that's true. (laughs) It's true. Oh, hi. (laughs) I forgot we were doing introductions. My name is Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And uh, we're cruising today because we have have a very short recording window. Yeah. So uh, that's all you get from me. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and Chubby Chaser. Uh, yeah, we only have two hours to do right. a 40 minute show. <laughs> <laughs> and we use it. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub. I'm here in uh, Los Angeles. I was, I was going to say your neighborhood, but I didn't want to do that to you. I think we've uh, already said Angeles. it before. Uh, I know. I got my coffee. I drank half it. I have had my breakfast. Yeah. I have our, our timer on my watch. <gasps> oh, that's been a, that's something crazy. we really needed. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited for uh, Michael, other Michael to get here. Yeah. I told him to stop at Eddie World, which is a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a very bonkers rest stop between Las Vegas and here. And I think I think oh. he's on the route oh. where he'll be able to go. Is that the alien so. themed one with jerky for sale everywhere? No, this has a giant frozen <laughs> yogurt cup outside of it. And it has its huh. own mascot, like who I think is Eddie. Very weird, like a, cl- a, a scary clock face mascot. <laughs> the toilets have games. There's oh. sushi. There's pizza. There's all the candy you can Anything imagine. You could want stuffed animals. It's uh, we're going to be probably stopping <laughs> there twice. Again, it still <laughs> worries me. Then they sell sushi in the Nevada in the desert. desert. You know, well, it could su- be fresher. It's supposedly very good. <laughs> I mean, for, I, maybe just because it's like the only sushi yeah, in there. The <laughs> best sushi in the Nevada desert. Donnie, Donnie, it's dug up daily. Oh boy. <laughs> That's I have fresh. passed by a sushi restaurant literally in the middle of nowhere of the Nevada desert. And there was like, there was a town. You could see the horizon in every direction. They had a post office and a sushi bar. Ooh. What more do you need? I mean, it's a novelty. People probably drive from all over to get there because where else are you going to get sushi? I feel like there should be like some sort of supernatural show going on there. But all right. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> yeah. moving on. Anyway, um, we, we still have a Patreon going. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Help help support us by continuing to pay Nicholas, our editor, who's been doing a good job. Thank <laughs> mm-hmm. you, Nicholas. Yeah. We still uh, have not quite reached our goal, but we're still pushing hard. And yeah, yeah, we're still going that way. And um, also, I think we're we're still planning some some mini sods and some other stuff to put up there. And, mm. and bigger Vegas, where it's it's happening. We're going. We're that's what's right. the dates on that again? July first at 
at uh, Lode. First, yes, July first, um, twelve door, fifteen. Doors open at twelve fifteen. Tuscany in the in Tuscany Las Vegas. Florentine A. Well, if you don't, if the thing is, if they're not part of the event, they don't they don't need to know it's the Tuscany because it's the Tuscany. Oh yeah, that's true. You can't get in. It is it is tied into the event, so you have to be a, a, a member of the event to get in. Meet um, me we at hope- the Tuscany. <laughs> yep. It's a song. That's a song they sing on hold. At the at Tuscany, the, oh, the, the Tuscany, like when you call. <laughs> me, Why do you know that so Tuscany? well? <laughs> because it's there's because I was on hold for a very long time at some point. <laughs> well, we will be recording a live episode there, so yeah. if you want to meet us face to face, come on in, or mm-hmm. or anything to face, really. Butt to face. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of different ways to meet us in bigger Vegas. You know, I just wow. got to say, Michael must be very excited because he never makes that kind of joke. No, that's true. <laughs> it's just that kind of morning. It's a giddy kind of day. I'm, well, I'm let's, doing, let's, yep, let's t- keep going. Tumble out of the car, roll right into pop culture uh, with an interview with yeah. Joy Nash of mm. Dietland. This was an uh, excellent interview. Yes, I loved it. Yeah. Um, it. So it was in uh, volume two, which... I don't really know what this pu- this publication is, but it was lovely photo spread of Joy Nash Very. and an Vol, interview. Vol up, oh Vol up, Vol up too. Yeah, um, I just loved it. I loved. Um, so she talked about being in Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and which a listener wrote us. We did, about. yeah. We had a listener write in who who has been watching the show. Um, I think the entire show pretty much since it's gone on and they had an arc where um, basically one of the higher up doctors gets very much called out for, um, for uh, fat phobic tendencies and, and specifically that the BMI um, the body mass index is bullshit and going so, into all that. Yeah. So they get to actually say that on the show. She does. Yeah. 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 Um, which is fucking great. And, and the listener wrote in saying like this, having watched the show for as long as I have, like this has never happened. This is the first time they've wow. done this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think it was a big moment. I don't, uh, none of us watches Grey's Anatomy as far as I know, um, but it was great to hear about for sure. And mm-hmm. that was, that was her. That was Joy. Um, I really loved hearing about, so she tells a story about being cast as a flight attendant and kind of really being in her head about mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm yeah. too fat to believe, like I'm a fat flight attendant. Like there's no fat flight attendants. And then, on the flight to film this role, she had a flight attendant that was like the same size as her and just kind mm-hmm. of like, was a moment of like, oh, like. This, yeah, well, like, she calls herself out for being her own worst enemy in terms mm-hmm. of like what, because she says her representation is really great about sending her out for like female FBI agent, female flight attendant. And she's mm-hmm. thinking to herself, oh my God, I'm never going to book that. And then she does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, sometimes the world is not the terrible place we have in our heads. I don't and, know. I yeah. might want to see that because the last time I saw a fat flight attendant was Wendy Jo Sperber in flight school. Oh, right. Where she saves the plane by getting sucked through the hole and plugging it with her <laughs> ass at the end of the movie. Oh, jeez. That's a classic. Yeah, stuff. that's the last one I saw. Yeah. I suspect Joy would probably avoid a role like that. Well, and I think writers would avoid a role like that now. Nowadays, yeah. Well, and it wasn't like necessarily written as... It was, yeah. But also she talks about kind of like seeing roles and then inserting plus size like in her head. I love this fake out. Mm -hmm. So what she does is when she reads the character breakdown, it'll say like, you know, um, uh, female flight attendant, 30 to 40. And she will insert just to give herself the, because she doesn't see herself in the role Mm because stereotypically, Mm -hmm. you know, fat people are not. And she will insert in the breakdown in her mind, uh, female flight attendant plus size, 30 to 40. Like Mm -hmm. she's just like, oh, well it's cast for me. Right Mm -hmm. now I have to get it. Yeah. I, I got to say, I have seen her in some roles where I remember thinking like, 
this did not have to, like uh, um, in Believe, I think it was, she plays a hacker um, mm. that gets roped in by the main cast and then gets killed pretty quickly. <laughs> but there was nothing in the role that indicated she had to be fat at all. Mm-hmm. And like she was a very active and character with with the will of her own, which you don't see. It's, it's, it's it. like, you. wow, you can act and be fat at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like chewing bubblegum and walking. And not have them dependent on each other, you know? <laughs> So we were watching something and there was a character that was like really incompetent and eating a lot, mm. but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a fat person playing the character. Oh, right. And it was like, is hmm. this, was the, did this, did this person write this as a fat character? Cause it's just such a bizarre <laughs> thing. Cause there's all these tropes of the, ter- like the terribly written fat character, but it was a thin person and it was just so huh. weird. And just, do you remember what that was? I remember being surprised uh, and wondering how to react to that. I, it's so <laughs> because it's, of like, is it me? Like, why am I expecting a fat character here because of the trope? Or you're right, did they just forget the cast? Yeah. Was the fat person unavailable? <laughs> so they had to make do so, with a thin person? <laughs> it always makes me think of, it's not an incompetence thing, but it's the eating of, 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 of Brad Pitt's role in the Oceans movies. Oh yeah. I think he does this in a few different kinds, but it's especially a thing in those movies that he's always eating every scene that rusty is in he's eating something it's nachos it's sandwiches it's whatever um and i kind of love it like yeah a lot of mm-hmm. people give him shit for i don't know like being having those like bits of business that don't necessarily need to be in the scene but it kind of makes him relatable to me it, it makes mm-hmm. the characters like, much more three-dimensional well, yeah. and it all the, the whole game in the oceans movie is you're trying to have you know it's a heist movie which is the most highly planned escapade you can manufacture but the illusion is like oh yeah we just woke up we this just morning stood together. And we stood together yeah. and like what do we do today i don't know we'll rob a bank i don't it's know a, he's got bedhead <laughs> yeah and, bedhead and, look so of heists. and so <laughs> eating a sandwich in the middle of a heist conversation is a great way to portray nonchalance yeah totally but check out the, the interview with joy nash it's lovely she narrated um uh, one of Julie Murphy's books. Oh yeah, that's also yes. the superhero, the young young adult superhero novel, Faith Greater Heights. Um, which I didn't even I didn't know that Joy did narration, but apparently this is like a thing. That, she like, does a lot of voiceover through, yeah. Yeah. yeah through COVID. She was doing a lot of like well, all actors were like mm, yeah. voiceover, please voice work. Yeah. yeah. Um. I well, and I don't know related to Faith Greater Heights and Julie Murphy. Uh huh. Um. <gasps> I you, mean, I don't. I. I'm not going to say too much, but I'm going to get to like meet <gasps> Julie Murphy via Zoom. Or thing. So that's exciting. That's very um, cool. But it's all very hugger mugger. Yes. Shh, don't tell Keep me. it under your hat. Everyone <laughs> put on <laughs> your hat and, and keep, keep it under it. it. <laughs> keep them on. Um, but I don't know. Maybe. Shh, listener, uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> super smooth transition. Maybe you wear hats hiking. <laughs> oh, there we go. And we, have, uh, we have a. There was <laughs> a. a Piece in Chubster, That's why I married written him. by uh, Bruce Sturgill, mm-hmm. um, about a Andy uh, Neal, Andy Neal, um, plus size hiker, um, talking about hiking as a bigger guy. Which I really, I love this. Yes. for so many reasons. Me too. Me I too. mean, he's breaking down stereotypes, and he does talk about you know how he, how he got into it was very much a matter of um, you know during COVID and, and mm-hmm. even just before, but like needing to find a sense of peace. And specifically, like the mental treadmill of anxiety mm-hmm. um, that he deals with, and realizing that going out into nature, going on a hike, which feels like a, a space that 
you know, fat people plus size people are not particularly welcome or expected in. They're not expected. Yeah, I guess that's more better. You're alone in the but forest. Let me, Who cares? let me add a caveat yeah. to this. Like I was, I was a fairly frequent hiker in Griffith Park before COVID, and unlike mo- like at the gym, I always felt sort of spotted out, and like people would call attention to me. Oh, good for you, all that stuff. That never happened to me on hiking trails. Well, actually, he, I was just another hiker. Well, he you know? does talk about how yeah. he does experience fat phobia on the trails. Like oh, there'll be people, like there'll be people who are like, "Good for you," or uh, here's my favorite, like, "Well, how far did you make it?" Yeah, it was literally, <laughs> and well, that was the funny thing about that story was it was a person that he knew, and he was on the way down from, but a who very, didn't recognize him apparently, right? Didn't recognize him. He was on the way down from a very intense hike, and mm-hmm. she asked him, like, "Okay, well, how far did you?" make it. And she didn't believe him when he said, I, I got to the top and came. I'm yeah. That was preposterous back. to her. Yeah. Um, but well, no, I, what my point though was that yeah. he, he did it for his mental health. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he has framed, yeah, he didn't do it to lose weight. He didn't do mm-hmm. it to right. know, be more healthy. He did it for his mental health. Yeah. And, and because it, you know, it, he loves, it. and I think the way he put it was really sort of beautiful and eloquent, which was, you know, out in nature, everything is bigger. Yeah, everything is bigger, mm-hmm. and I can take up as much space as I want, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Well, and yeah, how fat, how big can you be with a huge redwood tree next to you? You know, right, like, right. You, you're, you're, you get a sense of like the Earth scale as opposed to the Los Angeles cafe scene scale. Mm-hmm. scale. Hey, Dan, Dan, do you find this redwood slimming? <laughs> does this red, does this redwood make me look thin? <laughs> I think what I, one of the things I really loved about it is because like we're, we're still in a pandemic, people, mm-hmm. but I love hearing like tales of joy from the pandemic. And yeah. this is very much something finding joy in an extremely dark time. Mm-hmm. Like Michael mm-hmm. said, like doing stuff for your mental health. Um, and just, I mean, the whole piece just hits so many points that we've talked about before, but I just love seeing and i just love seeing like i don't know this mental checklist as i'm reading it and like talking about kind of the the toxic bro instagram culture yeah um and just i i just love it i don't know it's and he's you know so he's started a podcast called the hiker podcast mm-hmm. just that and he's interviewing other hikers and talking about the culture of it and success stories and it blew up and it's become incredibly popular now and that's sort of a trajectory that it, he took a sort of a hard right turn uh, in his career because initially he was a pastor yeah. and then he went to film school and he started filming himself going hiking and then started the podcast. Um, and he has a lot of like resources and suggestions for anybody who f- might find this interesting or might want to get started in the plus size world where, you know, you can start here and this is a welcoming space for you. There are Facebook groups. There's mm-hmm. here's some hashtags to follow that will inspire you that are about and for us. Um, and of course you can follow him and check out the things that he's doing because obviously it's all very encouraging and positive and it's cool to see. And he's sponsored. He's got like apparently like crazy sponsorships from a major, um, hiking brand. Um, yeah. So I hope makes clothing large enough for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, he looks great. Like I thought the, uh, it's very like traditional sort of like flannel and jeans kind of thing, but he's, they look he's very flannel bear guy. Yeah. And yeah. there's, there's color in it. I feel mm-hmm. I find like a lot of ugly flannel is very dull colors, like very muted sort of like mm. fall colors. And I think bright flannel is a really good look. Did you have a pink flannel something, Trevor? I feel no, like you have I have a, pink- a purple flannel. No, I thought you had a pink. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, super cool article, very inspiring. And, and it's just nice. Mm-hmm. It's a nice thing. Guys. 
Do you hear it? Mm. It's starting. It's everyone join hands. Wait, <laughs> is that? It is. <laughs> it's that one. <laughs> Who knew? 2022. <laughs> Our most elegant transition yet. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. I, whenever we do that, like slow creeping reveal, I always, <laughs> I have no idea when to actually press the button. No, I think you did very well. Oh, I thought you were trying to figure out what we were doing. <laughs> no, I was just waiting for the right moment where somebody <laughs> wasn't good. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Do so a, so a, wait, so Fat Watch. <laughs> yes, yeah. we have an actual thing. Uh, I just fat watch jump scare someday. <laughs> oh yeah, just bam, um, fat watch. So this was sent in by a listener, um, and it is a study from the UK um, about. Um, I'm trying to sorry. It's the CTSG project Bear yes. Space by Dr. Nick McLinn. Oh yes. of the University of Brighton. Um, I, <sighs> I'm gonna. This is one of those things where I'm gonna pass it in because there's a lot of. <laughs> Stuff that I just feel like I, he crunches I, the numbers for us. I feel like a, a child, like in front of a, a college class. <laughs> like this. Um, boy. So it's it's good. It's a study. It's a study about fat men, fat gay men in particular. That's great. Um, and it takes place in uh, I think it's University of Brighton. So this mm-hmm. is it, it's certainly UK based. I, I didn't see how far and wide it ranged, but it's 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 a good study. Um, and guess what? It says that fat people, even in bare spaces, experience fat phobia. Mm-hmm. So glad we found that out. So, <laughs> and, and here's, again, I, I really appreciate that the study's been done. The conclusion is like, oh, water is wet. And the thing that I keep going back to is, and we've said it before in the podcast, Chub chaser culture is different than bear culture and they arise from completely different spaces. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that fat people in bear space don't have, you know, don't uh, are not all, first of all, bears aren't always fat. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a very good place to start. Whereas, you know, chubs are always fat. Yeah. That's (laughs) by definition. Kind of start there. But Europe and most places outside the United States does not have chub chaser culture. They only have bear culture. So mm. it's not, you can't really fault the person for doing a study of bear spaces because that's all the space they have right. for, for fat gay men. Um, and so it's, a, but it's, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it's a wonderful experience in Chub Chaser space for fat people either. Mm, sure. I'm just saying that they're remarkably different. And so when the study gets into things like, well, what a, the muscle bears often don't appreciate fat people in their spaces and the fat people sometimes feel intimidated by muscle bears. Yeah. Cause they're not the same thing. They're just being thrown together in the same pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your, your tomato apple allegory. Yeah. Is- so I, I have, <laughs> I had this extended metaphor that I've been using for years now, which is, you know, apples and tomatoes are both red. And yet if you think, if you, if you go into a tomato space and you're wondering, yeah, why is this not working? Why do I not work in omelets? Why do I why do I not work over pasta? It's because you're an apple. And a scampi. Although, I don't know. <laughs> you're not a tomato, you're an apple. They just look the same. And that's what happens a lot of times with bears and chubs. They can look the same, but they're different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so I, my curiosity was like do we know roughly why there is no specific Chub, like chub culture seems localized very much to the United States. Is there well, a reason for that? I think part of it is, I mean, European listeners let us know if this is wrong. So there was girth and mirth yes. in the United States. Okay. Which well, yeah, that never existed an organization that created a lot of chub chaser events. 
I don't think there was ever anything like that in the closest, UK or Europe. The closest that um, Philippe and someone will tell me his last name because we have European listeners who know him uh, personally. But there was a guy named Philippe who really, who came to the United States. He was Belgian and had been everything from a food critic to a rock star. Literally, oh, wow. Literally. Damn. Uh, it was it was it was said that he could tell the difference from where oysters came from by merely tasting them. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's like so, a superpower. Yeah. yeah. So he he came to the United States for convergence, which is for those who don't know, it is basically the the now sort of defunct but annual it used to be annual event for Chubs and Chasers. It was a massive once a year event for gay Chubs and Chasers. And he came and he's like, wow, we have nothing like this in Europe. So he started it. Hmm. And so he started what was called EBMC, European Big Men's Convergence. Okay. And it alternated between Brussels, his home city, and some other European city every year. So one year in Brussels, one year in Prague, one year in Brussels, one year in Paris, one year in Brussels, one year in London Mm -hmm. or wherever. So, uh, and I was lucky enough to attend a couple of these, uh, one in Brussels and one in Prague, and uh, they were amazing, but they were also not the traditional American Chub Chaser event. And I think the difference is this, and you can see this in the community in the difference between, say, Bigger Vegas and Cannonball. Okay. Bigger Vegas comes from the Convergence template, and Convergence was started by older Chubs for older Chubs. Hmm. And if you were younger, that was great. And if you were a chaser, that was great. But that was kind of who was in charge. That's who the board was. Mm-hmm. Cannonball and EBMC was chaser starting an event for Chubs and Chasers. Oh. So it has a very different feel to it. It's much more like Cannonball feels much like an A-gay circuit party. Hmm. I'm not saying it is, but it feels like it's 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 dance forward. It's it's flashing lights forward. Mm-hmm. It's it's hip. It's young. It's active. Mm-hmm. Whereas a convergence tend to be like, oh well, will you know, will the scooters fit on the bus? Um, it's a, it's not wrong or right. It's just they're coming from different places, right? And I think that's where a lot of bear culture in Europe comes from. It's modeled on the a gay spaces because it used to be at least, that the chubs in Europe weren't nearly as big for one thing. I think it could fairly be said that chasers still outnumber chubs in Europe. Hmm. Uh, Although you could also argue that, yeah, but they're all into bears, not, you know, like hairless chubs. Right. Uh, That's, I mean, we can debate that till the cows come home, where, when, how, why. But I think that could be responsible for the the division. Got it, got it. I, yeah, I I have never been to any kind of event like that at all. But I would be curious after going to bigger Vegas, what something in Europe would feel like and, and kind of experiencing that difference. Just, yeah. If you look at club XXL in London, I don't know if that's still going. I, I heard it was starting back up, but I don't There's know. There's some other new big boy event, I think happening like a, um, monthly thing in London, kind of like uh, Planet Big used to be in San yes, Francisco. Yeah, or, or well, now, it still uh, is now. They're, they're, oh, it's back. Well, there is there is a there's yeah. a, a uh, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Michael's before, telling me we need to move yeah. on. Yeah, before we get get too off the rails here. Um, so yeah, we're we're always happy to to see things from from listeners, and thank you for sending those in. Um, we always read them every time. Um, and we try and put them on the show, and so thank you for that. Um. And I think one of the interesting kind of side effects of talking about that study um, is that it, it inspired a conversation with us on one of our longest calls about what our main topic should be ever in recorded history. Oh my God, it was. Um, we were a little dithery. We were, yeah. and I was I was so brain dead this week. Um, this It's been a whole thing. But 
I'm talking about masculinity and its role, I guess, in society at large. And then we kind of whittled it down. It was jumping off of bear culture, which tends to be hyper-masculine and values Mm -hmm. perceived masculinity. Um, And then, and, and kind of looking at our own experiences with either expectations of masculinity or assumptions about it and how we've kind of interacted with that. Um, and I'm, we haven't actually shared any of those yet. I don't think so. I'm kind of curious how it's going to come up. Well, yeah, and it's, and as Michael, you pointed out on the call, it's not like we've never talked about masculinity before, Yeah, but I think what's, we wanted to share personal anecdotes mm-hmm. of like how we have either have been perceived as masculine or not mm-hmm. in the Chub Chaser universe. But then also, you know, where, you know, I I talk a lot in my book about where that comes from. I think anybody who's been anywhere near gay culture knows that masculinity is this huge issue that is either never talked about or always talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very love-hate relationship. At what point does it start to feel like toxic masculinity? Well, I remember, I remember, I'm sorry, I'm going to just pitch this really, really quickly if you ever remember, and it may be still present in some spaces where like, oh my God, straight guys are so much hotter than gay guys. And mm. that is that is all about the perceived masculinity that gays feel themselves sometimes not as masculine mm. because we don't date women. Mm-hmm. I don't say that's true. I don't even say that's necessarily current, but there was absolutely a time when that was a thing. Um, when I think just right now, this the conversation of toxic masculinity is so much louder because it's there, there's so many things happening right now with identity and gender and this, you know, the war on the feminization of America. Yes. But also just, I mean, this is tied up in the issue of the attack on trans youth yeah. and oh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. you know, the, that gays are grooming children because it is just this, all of these issues are connected. It's even part of uh disordered eating in places like guys at the gym Mm -hmm. and guys at the gym ragging on each other for being like, Oh dude, you gained two pounds. I mean like, Whoa. (laughs) And like, how are you eating that? You shouldn't be eating that. You should be eating chicken breast. And if that's all part of this idea, like you have to look a certain way or you're not a man. Yeah. And that the, you know, Tucker Carlson having people (laughs) solar charging their testicles. Um, (laughs) Which is so perfectly right-wing backwards. I do not want to discourage any of Tucker Carlson's followers from irradiating their balls. (laughs) (laughs) Please feel free. Uh, No, no, that's going to piss me off as a liberal. Don't do that. The greatest thing, so he, what Trevor was talking about is that Tucker Carlson, um, famously of Fox News, started a... Uh, d- created a document. It's d- documentary yes. in quotes, which ah. I, as a documentarian, is is an offense on my my job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an advertisement. It's a yeah, it's a course. ninety minute mm-hmm. advertisement for this product that I'm sure he has a stake in, which is supposed to increase masculinity. And of course, the the quote unquote science behind yeah. it is that you know. <laughs> By the way, it was done with a study with five participants. <laughs> <laughs> and it's based. So they, of course, the article we're talking about is with a doctor who sort of debunks all of these things. But he's talking about how um, 
the, I guess, testosterone levels, according to Tucker, have been dropping by 10% every decade in male Americans. And this is not a new thing. We've we've seen, we've actually gone into in the past uh, products sold on Fox News. The manliness ignition matrix. <laughs> yeah. I was, well, because I was Fox at, News runs on toxic masculinity. That's its, it's well, the station for it. Right now, yeah, right-wing America runs on toxic masculinity. I'm sorry, I thought I said that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's the thing. It's like every single one of these things runs on the premise that feminization of anything, including their women is bad. <laughs> you know, mm. like they, they claim that feminization of everything is bad, but they, the women they praise and hold up like Marjorie Taylor green, green, the Bobert monster, <laughs> like those foul masculine type characters are being advocated as being like, these are the highest extreme versions of our conservative women. I'm like, but, but, but okay, they're but, arguing against what they do. I but think those women are arguing against the jobs they do. Stand but, by your man. But let's kind of, <laughs> so, th so that is kind of what is in the air right now. Right. And let's kind of bring that back to our personal experiences. Because <laughs> well, I, it, on, I am not done ranting. <laughs> um, well, no, because this is in the air. It is affecting everything. It is an assault on, you know, queer people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're seeing this on the outside and there's also then kind of the call coming from inside the house yeah. of mm. the never ending thing on apps of like, you know, I'm really into masculine guys or something no that's yeah. Um, well, I, it's funny cause I was thinking about it and I've, I was thinking about just my experience on, you know, the apps, which I always think of appetizers, which kind of gets me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hmm, which would I rather be dealing with? Which would you like uh, to sample? Yeah. Why are there no apps for apps? Can you get the sampler plate? Yes. Um, and there is always the, you know, oh, I'm only into mask guys. And whenever, like I was thinking about whenever I get messages from those accounts, I, um, I automatically start thinking of like, I don't really think of myself as mask. I don't really think of myself as femme. Um, and with that, I've also, I've seen guys, um, usually like I'm thinking of chubs who are femme and very much identify with that and embrace that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't see a lot of guys saying I'm really into femme guys. Mm -hmm. I know there are guys, um, who, you know, prefer femme guys over mask, but I don't really see that as like, either advertised or is like, this is mandatory. Like you must be yeah. femme to message me. Well, uh, I don't know because- Have you seen that? Well, let me counter that with advertising in a lot of gay magazines, um, like Advocate and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's like 60% jock, 5% other, and then like 35% twink, right? And that twink is very rarely presented in a masculine way. They tend to try and feminize the twink body. So I, I would say like there is a type, but we just, we don't label it as feminine. We, but I think it's thought of as feminine. Well, and then we have all this, this, what do I call it? Guilt by association. Like, are you less masculine if you're a bottom? You're like, right. oh, I mean, of course not. Mm -hmm. But my point is like, we have these ideas that tops are more masculine or that, uh, or that, you know, if you want, if you want to 
if you want to be a bottom, then you're not as much of a man as a top. Which is it bleeds toxic every it bleeds everywhere. It which is everywhere. weird because I have to admit, like degree. I love a masculine bottom. Like well, <laughs> I, I there are two terms that I love. I love pushy bottom. And a pushy bottom. Like, you're gonna do this to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the same token, I don't think there's anything wrong with a feminine top. No, no. Sort of- no, I just I just <laughs> at think, all. I just love I love when the two collide. It's like I remember like when I talked to uh, when I talked to normies and I talk about like, yeah, he's a super hot fat guy. And you watch the eyes like vibrate in their brain because they're like hot mm. and fat. How is that possible? But it, when it comes to like myself, I feel like I'm in the same boat as Trevor. I don't feel especially masculine or feminine, um, but I've been accused of being both. Really? On multiple occasions at multiple times in my life. Do you have a story about that, Don? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I Which think one? This one's formative because it gets, it, when, when you ask me that, this is the first one that comes up. But okay. I was in summer camp. Okay. Right? I think I was probably about 14 years old. Oh, wow. And I should underscore that I was at a fat summer camp. Oh, yes. Oh, right? boy. Um, so you had a wide variety of body types there, right? Including skinny kids who... I don't know why they were there, but they were there. Oh, were chasers. As a, pre- <laughs> a proto-chasers. More likely it was preventative medicine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember I was playing ping pong with a bunch of people and I was doing really well. It was like, you know, winter stays. And I was like, mm. on match three, I was feeling good about myself. And this kid is standing next to the table, looking at me and goes, are you a boy or a girl? Wow. Really? Right. And I, I remember just sort of like trying to shunt it with a, with a laugh, like, uh, I don't even remember the response, but now it would probably be like, well, what do you want me to be? But back then, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, but he wouldn't drop it. He kept pushing. Wow. Like, are you boy or girl? That was really important, yeah. It was like really important. And yeah, I think when I was huh. a kid, I think because I was raised by like a father who loved musical theater and like mostly by my mom in the woods, like a lot of my mannerisms were not competitive and aggressive and masculine. It was more like, I'm trying to understand what's going on. I want to understand you. I, I guess the-, the You were communi- using your brain? Yeah, exactly. How unmasculine of you. I had no desire to bowl people oh, over gosh. and start wrestling right away. Like, <laughs> um, But I think as I kept getting those questions through my teenage years, I probably like pushed my personality farther and farther towards the masculine, which is why I like maybe now I consider myself neutral, but- but like the first, one of the first or second times I met you, Dan, we were talking you're like, well, you present yourself as aggressively masculine. I'm like, I, I, what? I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. You were describing my clothing. It was oh, a, because of the lumberjack wear. There you go. <laughs> you know, so yeah. But I mean, but again, it's like, that is not part of my picture of myself. So it kind of threw me off for, for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, but it, I think when people assign something to you like that, that you have your own sort of images of. That means like, is that how you see me using my images of that thing? And it can just be confusing. Hmm. Yeah, that would, that would, that would throw me for sure. I, I, I don't know why, but when I was growing up, I very much had this, like, I don't know where this stuff comes from, but it's like the awareness of like, oh, don't raise your pinky when you drink out of the glass. Oh, right. oh yeah. I don't know where that came from. I really don't. And I don't think I even did that. Naturally, I think it was just like, you can't do that. I don't you know, know where it comes from. I will, I'm willing to bet. What? Every single entertainment depiction of a small girl's tea party mm. always shows her with the, the pinky up yeah. with the dolls. Do you know what's so ironic is that if you actually go back and look at etiquette books from the early 20th century, <laughs> they talk about not putting your pinky out. And they're not talking to men. 
not putting your pinky out because it is awkward and attention getting. It is, it's, mm. it shows that you cannot manipulate the teacup properly. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. It's, it's awkward. Don't do that. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it, so it's a, uh, it's an admonishment of non-masculine men and uh, tea partying women. <laughs> well, we all know what to think about the tea party. Um, oh God, I haven't heard that loud. But yeah, I do feel like, I feel like as a big guy, there's often a push onto me to, masculinize or feminize like there's no real i don't know i've never encountered i have only encountered the like either like people assume i am very masculine or like like in your want me to be more masculine like when they encounter you online yeah yeah hmm. um i mean i've talked about the thing like the daddy thing before where yeah. like guys call me daddy and i don't <laughs> I, I ain't raising no babies um, <laughs> And it's just so weird. And I, I don't know, in my experiences growing up, I had so many things where like, you know, feminine things were discouraged, but like to a point that was ridiculous. Like I wasn't allowed to have my nails painted. And now that is like a thing on like, I want to say like straight guy, maybe not right now. I feel like two years ago, like straight guy, TikTok, and like social media stuff. Like, yeah, I paint my nails. What of it? I have to say, I've noticed a couple, like my friend, um, though I've, I mean, I've known him for most of my life, um, started painting his nails, I think, and he's perfectly average, sort of cool, straight dude. Um, mm. I think somewhere teenage years, like late teens, maybe mm. 17, 18, 19, like, and I kind of noticed, I was like, huh, I don't, I don't know why more i don't know it was just like an odd thing of like oh that's cool and also i don't know why it has to be cool to do that well, it's of- it's funny because growing up from maybe college and this is obviously a while ago it wasn't like no guys were definitely not painting their nails it was just enough of a of a sexual revolution for a guy to wear an earring mm. and it mattered a whole lot which side you yeah, wore which ear i do remember i remember that, that. i remember yeah. that and, and the endless debates like no which side's the right side no which side's the wrong side well what's right well what's wrong <laughs> i remember in grade school like i i probably third grade or so when nobody had earrings like nobody like you're not as a kid that young like nobody had earrings but it was left is right right is wrong uh-huh. mm-hmm. that's what i remember i don't know why that stuck in my head except maybe it just somehow seemed like it applied to me well and it was very important that you got it correct yeah <laughs> i'm not sure which way is which way is correct but okay when i got that when i got my piercing i just decided because i only wanted one ear pierced i didn't want both um and oh I yeah because that would make you a total woman right <laughs> no it, it looks different it literally oh, just oh, looks no, of different. course it does of course i mean He's it's being yeah. facetious no i'm being facetious, no i know but like i actually had to choose like no which but it looks right but it isn't yeah. but it is interesting that i don't think i don't think most men considered oh, well, maybe I'll do both. And that way I'll avoid the controversy. I don't think anybody thought that. Mm. Well, I mean, I, that was the thing, like, you know, so I couldn't paint my nails when I was in high school. I couldn't pierce my ears. And like, that was like, I, that was a huge thing when I did, when I was, when I turned 18. Mm. And I don't know if it was because, like, it wasn't even like, oh, you can do when it's just like, no, not like, not at all. Like, that's not, not a thing. Yeah. Um, And I think maybe, it was both like because both would be feminine, and then with the one or the other, the, you know, the the left is right, right is wrong. Like that would yeah. be a thing. I'm thinking back, and I'm trying to figure out like 
I mean, there's definitely been that thing of like, you've got to be masculine hanging over my head basically for as long as I can remember. And I don't like, I don't know where that comes from. And definitely my dad, I think was a very typical, like masculine straight guy, like just sort of is, I don't think he tried at it. Um, And so I think maybe when that's your model, like, you know, I had two sisters and a mother and then my dad. And so that was, he was my sort of one model for what a man should be. And he was very masculine as just as a person. And so I kind of felt like I had to be like that. My dad was not. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even know if that was, I don't even think that was part of like, and even like, I don't know. I, I, when my dad was a kid, he was like uncool and I, there was a, he went through a period where he was really into Sherlock Holmes and he had a Sherlock Holmes hat. Yeah. When he, he was like, like nine, right? Yeah. yeah. And he would like follow the cool kids around oh. and like <laughs> investigate them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I mean, my, wow. I grew up with, you know, an easy bake oven, which I adored. <laughs> and my mother got me a doll, which I didn't know what to do with. So I, I it was never, the house was never, the household was never that concerned with gender roles. And it's been a real mind fuck for me grow, you know, growing up and analyzing myself and writing the book and a lot of this stuff, because on the one hand, I couldn't figure out masculinity, meaning I couldn't figure out why everybody seemed to be so preoccupied with it. Mm. So preoccupied with it. And to me, it was like, what's the deal? I don't get it. But at the same time, I had to acknowledge that men that I was dating constantly told me how masculine I was. Mm. And I was like, am I masculine? I mean, I have a dick, but so what? They're like, no, that's what makes you such a man's man. You're not even aware of it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. Okay. (laughs) And so. (laughs) I mean, I I get that as. Well, I mean, and so, and then I also had to acknowledge that, okay, Dan, if, if masculinity is such a, non-interest for you, then why do you take so much time going to the gym and looking like this hyper-masculine ideal? And so I really had to puzzle that out. Dan doesn't think much of himself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) So I, um, I really had to figure, and, and it was tough because in some ways it bled into the whole chub chaser scene because a lot of my bodybuilding is actually, part of my sexuality in that I like, that's how I inhabit chaser to someone else's chub. Mm. Like I love that contrast and that maximizes that contrast. And I found out that in my partners, they really like it when I maximize that contrast too. Mm. So there was partly that, but so, and I was never a guy at the gym who's like, you know, you know, going to climb a mountain and eat a meat sandwich. You know, that, that was never me at the gym. People were like, dude, how much can you bench? I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, it's like, I just put this many on. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the thing, you know, as a partner of Dan, yeah. I, do get, I get the masculine, the, but like they're not trying, but I don't know. I've, I've been watching a lot of Frasier again. Yeah. And it's like, Am I more like Frazier or Niles? <laughs> no, more like Frazier, but it's like Frazier, like Frazier is masculine, but like, I don't know. I think it's, yeah. I think it's why they cast Kelsey Grammer as beast because it is this intellectual masculine yeah. Yeah. and like culture. That. And like, I don't know. I just, I'm thinking like picturing like bodybuilder Frazier. <laughs> I think it's beast. All right. I yeah. got to ask Miles or Frazier. 
Which would you? Which would you rather have? Oh. I mean. I, uh, <laughs> Frazier. You Dan is basically Frazier. I love Niles. I don't know why. I've I always found him Niles, dead but... sexy. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay, picture them both fat. Which would you go for, Michael? <laughs> uh, I mean, they're both so not fat, so it's hard to do. Um, I would... I, Niles, I guess. I don't know. But he's so skinny. It's like, it, that's just not who, I don't know. Yeah. It's not who he is. I, I, I think is, that it would be interesting actually picturing like, so it's Frazier, but Frazier's uh, a bodybuilder and Niles is fat. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. And it would just be so weird because Niles is so what, like, I mean, that's why they cast uh, David, David Hyde Pierce as the stick. In a bug's life. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're just kind of scratching the surface. I feel like every time we talk about this, we we dig a little deeper yeah. in this. Uh, these, uh, I guess, they're wounds we all have. Well, I think I, I think not as digging deeper, but making the hole wider. Yeah, <laughs> like it just I takes like, up more and more space in the playground. Yeah. <laughs> but we got a bit. We do have a bit. So since we were talking about the masculine and the feminine today. I thought maybe I would go into, in nature, we can find that actual sex is not as immutable as we think. Not the act, not the verb sex, <laughs> the sex. noun sex, <laughs> um, the, the physical sexual sex of a creature is not always as locked in as we think. Are you nature. saying it's not binary, Don? It is in fact not binary. <laughs> so each of these questions revolve around creatures that change sex or intersex in some way. Uh, these creatures live in groups. So you're going to try and figure out what creature I'm talking about on this question. Okay. These creatures live in groups where only two members are sexually mature, a large male and an even larger female. The rest are smaller, sexually immature males. If something happens to the female in the breeding pair, I'll come back to you as soon as the question's done. Okay. Her male mate transforms into a female and selects the next biggest male in the group to become her new partner. Which, what creature is this? I was going to say bees, but I think I'm wrong now. It's not bees. Hints. Hmm. I, Bang. I, okay. <laughs> Trevor, you're up. Uh, anglerfish. Not anglerfish, but we're very close. The first hint is fish. Uh, Trianglefish. Oh, um, um, buzz of seahorses? Not seahorses. No. Uh, hmm. Hint two, immune to types of coral venom. Bang. Trevor? Clownfish. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. So finding Nemo's father might have been his mother at one point. That's what happened to her. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that Disney kills the mother. It's that they transform. (laughs) Hawkfish tend to travel in an all-female harem with a single male at its lead. Occasionally, the largest female in the harem will spontaneously switch genders to male and split the harem into two groups. What event triggers this? One fish, two fish? Bang. Trevor? Uh, s- sexual maturity? No. Nope. Oh, <laughs> bang. Um, disagreements on how skips work in Uno. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hint three. Not all sister wives get along. That's two. A, wait, are we guessing the species? What are we guessing? Oh, what, what triggers the split? What event? What, event? Yeah. what triggers the split? Harems hate the lines at football stadium bathrooms. <laughs> and four, there's always another fish in the sea. Oh. Bang. And another, and another. Bang. Uh, when the, the harem gets too big? That is correct. Yeah. When it's the, just population density. 
Once there are too many women and there isn't enough sperm to go around, one of the women says, you know what? Screw this. I'm making some sperm too. And all of these ones are coming with me. Cool. I'm picturing him like, I don't know, the fish version of Thanos getting the gauntlet. Like, I'll do it myself. <laughs> but in all their right. case, it doesn't take them eight more movies. Yeah. To get in the animal kingdom, it's not uncommon for male and female species to have different colorations. For example, if you see a red cardinal, it's a male while more drab gray ones are female. But what does it mean when you see a cardinal that's red on one side and gray on the other? Hmm. Oh my goodness. Never seen that before. Hint one, it's still just one bird. (laughs) (laughs) Two, two sides of the same coin. Are they intersex? That is, that is, yes. That is the correct way of of saying it, I think. Uh, It is bilateral gyrandomorphism. What that means is that there's literal split down the middle of the creature wow. where the left side is male or female and the other side is the opposite. Huh. Interesting. Um, the, the genitals are often split down the middle, but sometimes they're also just sort of arranged in different ways. Huh. I, so the but, state bird of Virginia is the cardinal, and I have to say <laughs> I've never never seen that before. Well, but that's one of the cool. things that I, I had to put it, point out with this, so it's, it's not super common. It's something like one in every 10,000 or something like that. But uh, the... Basically, it's just treated like another bird by other cardinals. What? I love that. They don't it's, forbid them from going have, into certain restrooms? <laughs> researchers well, they also have, don't teach about them in cardinal school, okay, Dan? <laughs> oh researchers God. have never witnessed them being uh, harassed or mistreated by other cardinals. I freaking love that. Yeah. Just, uh, why can't we all just be like cardinals? Yes. <laughs> all right. Last time. This creature's eggs have been shown to hatch females 65 to 69% of the time. Hmm, nice. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, as temperatures have gone up, researchers have found that the eggs in hotter areas are hatching at 86 to 99.8 female. Whoa. Wow. What um, creature am I talking about? Oh. One, found around the Great Barrier Reef. Two, not a fish. Buzz. Bing. Who would... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's not I'm going to go with Trevor. Uh, sea turtles. That is correct. Oh, that's not what I was going to guess. What were you going to guess? Uh, octopus. They don't lay, <laughs> they don't lay eggs, do they? Yep. That's one of the big dangers right now with their repopulation is that they're an endangered species, but as temperatures keep going up, there are fewer and fewer males being born. So it's getting harder and harder for them to reach. I would have thought that the strategy behind that is if if the climate's becoming less hospitable, you would want more offspring, which means more females. Well, that's what you're getting. Yeah. It's getting less. It's getting less hospitable, but it's getting. It's probably going past the point that genes ever guessed it might get to. Eh, yeah. Well, and turtle yeah. sea turtles are notorious for like, I don't know, getting run over by dune buggies or something. It's one of the. <laughs> they are. They, it's a whole thing. It's one of the like chief keep, methods of sea turtle suicide is flinging themselves <laughs> into dune buggies. <laughs> the turtle <laughs> came out of nowhere, officer. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that, I, that, I feel like I've, and maybe, maybe it was that a documentary I watched. true, I don't know. Well, no, I'm just saying like that, like it's getting the sea turtle, like there's a whole thing of like, got to pick up the sea turtles and like throw them into the ocean. No, no, my well, joke was that the, you, you seem to have faulted the sea turtle in this story. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, dear listeners, have you ever run over a sea turtle? Oh dear. Where could they tell <laughs> us about it, Trevor? Well, we're on Twitter and Instagram as at BigFatGayPod. <laughs> Uh, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Big Fat Gay Pod. Facebook, the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Five stars everywhere. 
Reviews everywhere. Apple, Spotify, etc. Et apples to apples, dust to dust. See the <laughs> articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yay! Maybe you're hatching and you're a baby sea turtle who's listening to the podcast in their shell. <laughs> oh. And there's a 99.4 chance you're a, a female. <laughs> Uh, but it's there's a dune buggy coming. It's Michael. Oh, so no. watch out. Oh.